To answer is human. To question is divine. Welcome to the world of the Hidden Gateway, an exhilarating podcast exploring the concepts humans have been struggling with since the dawn of existence, such as, who are we? Is there such a thing as good and evil, or are they arbitrary constructs? Does the paranormal exist? How can we evolve to a higher state? Can our mind influence what we term as reality? Providing a transcendental approach, combined with hard-nosed humanistic analysis, we invite you on a journey to question your worldview in this theater of life. Join our host, Justin Williams, as he explores the outer realms of faith, the supernatural, human potential, and even our concepts of the universal creator with a fascinating array of guests. This is the unseen world, magical, mysterious, and mystical, where your only limitation is your imagination. This is The Hidden Gateway. I want to welcome you to another episode of The Hidden Gateway podcast. As always, I am your host, Justin Williams. And before we get started today, I just want to let everyone know that my autobiography, In the Eye of the Father, a memoir of faith and redemption, will hit uh, shelves next month in November. So be sure to keep an eye out on my website, as well as my Instagram, Twitter, and all other social media platforms for additional information. But again, uh, that would be next month. All right. Now, on to today's episode. I'm very, very excited uh, for what we have in store today. Uh, Today's guest is part of one of the most iconic families in American history. Not, not one to shy away from the fight for justice, he has spent a career on the front line taking on big pharma and other corporations that act with impunity. For over 30 years, he has served as an attorney for top environmental groups going toe-to-toe with big corporate giants. More recently, he's questioned the safety of vaccines and seeks to provide a balanced outlook in an increasingly censored world. I'm both happy and excited to have Mr. Robert Kennedy Jr. with us today. Mr. Kennedy, how are you? How are you? Good to see you. Good to see you as well. I'm excellent. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So my first question for you, Mr. Kennedy, uh, I would like for you to tell us about your documentary that I learned of recently. Um, I believe that came out last month, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. The, the medical racism documentary. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's a documentary that I... Um, Worked on with um, uh, with an extraordinary group of people, mainly African American director and um, and a number of you know historians, uh, detailing the history of medical experimentation on blacks in America and uh, and in Africa, and, and particularly the experimentation with vaccination. I was at my uncle Teddy Kennedy played a key role in 1973 in ending the Tuskegee experiment. It was a whistleblower inside of CDC called Peter Buxton. And as you know, the Tuskegee um, experiment began in the 1930s when a number of 600 black sharecroppers from Alabama who had syphilis were recruited to a CDC study. They were told that they didn't have syphilis. They were told that they would get free hot meals and free medical 
uh, treatment if they periodically attended this clinic. And then the, the medical community at that time, CDC wanted to, they didn't know what um, would happen to people if you just let syphilis go with no treatment. Uh, part of the reason was they had been treating syphilis with mercury since Greek, since Athens time. Mm. And it was very, very hard to distinguish whether certain symptoms that were associated with syphilis, whether they were from the mercury toxicity or from the syphilis. And so they wanted to see what was actually, they wanted to actually characterize the disease. And the way they did that was to say, we're gonna get these um, black sharecroppers and we're gonna just let them die of syphilis. We're gonna see what the syphilis does when you don't treat it at all. And in 1940, um, when World War II started, or 41, uh, virtually all of those sharecroppers wanted to join the military because anything was better than continuing to be a sharecropper in Alabama. A CDC, which had roots in the military, um, went to the Pentagon and said, don't allow any of them in because one of the first things that you do when you join the military is they give you a check for venereal disease. It's called short arm inspection. Mm. And then they would treat you. And they wanted to make sure they didn't get treated. And then in 47, when penicillin was invented, penicillin cured syphilis in a week. They made sure that none of those sharecroppers got penicillin and they kept them sick. Um, there was, their wives were infected, their children uh, were infected and they kept them sick until 1973, a whistleblower um, who was running around like crazy saying, I can't believe they're doing this, complained to his bosses, he was silenced. He finally walked into my uncle's office who was chairman of the Senate Health Committee and my uncle was outraged and had hearings on it and, and uh, closed down the experiment. So I was, you know, I knew about this and was curious about it from when I was a kid. In 1996, Clinton finally apologized to the first public apology. And he promised that, and CDC promised it would never happen again. But at that time, CDC was conducting very similar experiments using an experimental flu shot that was deadly to girls. And they were experimenting in, uh, in Cameroon, in Africa, in Haiti, and in South Central Los Angeles, all on black children. Hmm. And they weren't telling the moms in South Central Los Angeles that you're getting an experimental um, uh, uh, vaccine. And, and of course, you know, a lot of girls died. They, and they weren't compensated. Um, and then in 2014, a whistleblower came out of CDC, uh, Dr. William Thompson, the senior vaccine safety scientist at CDC. And he said that CDC had done a, a major study called DeStefano et al., which had been published in 2004, that said that vaccines were not causing autism. The MMR vaccine was not causing autism. And what he revealed is that when they actually looked at the data, the black boys 
who got that vaccine on time, that means before 36 months of age, before three years of age, had a 350% greater chance of getting autism than, than uh, black boys who waited or general population. Wow. And that CDC, his boss, Frank DeStefano, and his other boss, the head of the vaccine division, Colleen Boyle, had ordered the five scientists who were involved in this study to destroy all the data on black boys and then to publish the study and pretend it didn't happen. And since then, over 200,000 black boys have gotten autism that should not have gotten it if CDC had not lied. So this is something, and you know, in my book on Tony Fauci, which it comes out next week, it's called The Real Anthony Fauci. A large part of that book is about his uh, racist medical policies. He, uh, Tony Fauci, I have a whole chapter called Dr. Fauci, Mr. Hyde, where I detail what happened after he developed AZT in the 1990s. He began trying to open up a new market for HIV drugs to children. And they did not want to experiment on white children. And the drugs were very deadly. They were chemotherapy drugs that you know, were killing people. And so he arranged for, um, for foster homes in seven states to basically be turned over to the pharmaceutical industry to experiment on children who they made sure they did not have guardians, which is illegal, were no parents involved, and there were no medical personnel. And instead, they were you know, mainly Dominican um, uh, immigrants who were unlikely to object and who really didn't understand what was happening as it turns out. Yeah. They were giving these kids these very, very deadly drugs. And uh, Tony Fauci was actually called to account. There was congressional investigations in 2004. A researcher who, who worked with me on this book, Celia Farber, actually discovered a graveyard in Hawthorne, New York where a lot of these kids were disposed, their bodies were disposed, at least 85 of them died during Tony Fauci's experiments. Um, she found, we don't know how many more died because the whole uh, process was very obscure. She was able to find a, a graveyard in Hawthorne, New York, Gates of Heaven uh, Cemetery with a big pit in it um, that was covered with an astroturf carpet and it's filled with haphazardly piled tiny little coffins with these children, many of whom were the victims of, of Tony Fauci's experiments. In the years after that, after 2004, he was opening up another market, which is maternal transmission of HIV. So they were trying to get women who were tested HIV positive and to make sure that the HIV was not transmitted to their babies. Mm. And they were giving them chemotherapy drugs while they're pregnant. Chemotherapy drugs are horrendously toxic. They destroy DMA, they destroy human right. cells. So, you know, the, the, uh, the advisability of doing that, you have to be very careful. He tested it on a black woman in Tennessee who died and then his staff lied to her for years about 
lied to her family for years about the cause of her death, which they knew their drug, Fauci's drug, had, had killed her. And then he started doing it in Africa. And in Africa, he got away literally with murder. Um, and I detail the carnage that he caused in Uganda um, testing these drugs on mothers, many of them who did not have HIV. No, they had no, he was just tasting, testing the safety of the drugs, whether they would kill these women or mm. kill their babies, even those who did not have HIV. And many of the children in foster homes that they were testing did not have HIV either. So there was no benefit to them. It was completely illegal. Oh, my goodness. And you said this was in 2004, yes? 2002 to 2004. The yes. congressional investigation was in 2004. Okay. Okay. Very good. Now, um, it's in your belief that something similar, the same thing is going on with the COVID vaccine. Well, the COVID vaccines are, the problem with the COVID vaccines is, I mean, I mean there's a lot of problems with them, but the tough, it's very tough to justify the vaccines um, right. because if you look at Pfizer's study, Pfizer did a six-month study. It was supposed to be three years. But they cut it off at six months. Why? Because the vaccine loses efficacy very, very fast. So that within six months, it may have zero efficacy. And so they needed to cut it off quickly in order to be able to force everybody to take it and, and justify that. The vaccine does not prevent transmission so it's not going to stop the pandemic. If right. it doesn't stop you from spreading the disease, and of course it cannot stop a pandemic. So the, the justification for mandating it is uh, really sketchy. If you look at Pfizer's study, Pfizer stopped the study after six months and unblinded it and gave all of the people who wanted the, all of the people who received the placebo, they, were then, they were then got the vaccine. You can't study them anymore because everybody's now got the vaccine. But what they found was in Pfizer's own table, and I didn't think the table is S4, that they gave to FDA to get the approval. The key metric that you want to look at, Dustin, is, is all-cause mortality. In other words, how many people died from all causes in the vaccine group compared to the placebo group. Okay. There's 22,000 people in the vaccine group. In the six months the study lasted, 20 of them died. There's 22,000 people in the placebo group. In the, in the six months, 14 of them died. So your chance of dying in the vaccine group, if you got the vaccine, were 48% higher than if you got nothing. And so, so then you ask, well, how did they justify mandating this vaccine or approving it? Right. If your chances of survival are smaller, if you got the vaccine, here's how. In the vaccine group, one person died of COVID. In the placebo group, two people died of the 22,000. Oh, that's how they can claim that the vaccine is 100% effective mm. because two 
is 100% of one. Right. Most people, Americans, they, they think we're stupid. And when they say it's 100% effective against death, most people think, oh, that means if you get the vaccine, you have 100% chance of not getting killed. But that's not what it means. It's a, it's a metric called relative risk instead of absolute risk. And what it really means is that in order to prevent one case of COVID, they have to give 22,000 vaccines. That means that you you got to make sure that in those 22,000 vaccines, nobody gets killed by the vaccine, because if even one person gets killed, you've canceled out 100% of the benefits. Um, but well, here's what they found. In the vaccine group, in the placebo group during that six months, one person died of a heart attack. In the vaccine group, five people died of a heart attack. Wow. What that means is there's a 500% risk of dying from heart attacks if you get the vaccine compared to if you don't. And that for every one person that they save from COVID, four people will die from heart attacks. And so, you know, the pro that's the problem. The problem is that, you know, you most people think the vaccine is going to give you a better chance of living. But in fact, the vaccine, their own data show that the vaccine is more likely to kill you than to save your life. Gotcha. Thank you so much for sharing that, Mr. Kennedy. What, what is the motive behind this? Obviously, you know, you, you have your documentary, uh, Medical Racism. Uh, is it is it strictly racism or is there a, a profit motive behind this? Um, so much disinformation out there, right, where um, people are confused. It's really seemed to have divided our nation or, or even the world for that matter. Um, then you have people that believe that there is a, a dark motive in, in regards to uh, population control, right? And then you start talking about secret societies and, and all those things. Um, but what, what is the main motive uh, behind what's well, going on? The first, you know, they, a lot of people saw this video, the, uh, the video that you can look up on YouTube called Event 201. Yes. And Event 201 was a, a pandemic simulation that they, that Bill Gates sponsored with the CIA, April Haynes, the deputy director there, and the social media companies, the pharmaceutical companies, Johnson & Johnson, et cetera, the Pierre Hotel in October 2019. And they're modeling, remember, September, so a month before coronavirus had already escaped from the lab, and it's circulating in Wuhan on uh, September 12th. So this is a month later, they're practicing, they're simulating coronavirus, worldwide coronavirus epidemic that has escaped from a lab. Mm -hmm. and, and they're saying, here's what we're gonna do when there's a pandemic. They're not, they never talk about public health. They don't talk about getting vitamin D to people, you know, not 78% uh, of the people who died from COVID were vitamin D deficient. And virtually all blacks are vitamin D deficient. You know, it, 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 and, but they never talk about how do we get vitamin D to people? How do we get zinc to people? How do we get people to exercise? How do we get people to lose weight, to reduce their sugar intake, and to reduce the comorbidities, the risk from these comorbidities? Nobody ever told you that. Nobody ever talked, and, and the pandemic, 
simulation. They don't talk about that. They don't talk about how do we develop repurpose medications like ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine? How do we contact doctors all over the world and get input as to what protocols are working, what drugs are working for them, what's reducing death rates, uh, suppressing infection fatality rates? Nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about how do you preserve constitutional rights during a pandemic? Make sure you know we don't compromise who we are as a people. Instead, they, the only thing that they are practicing is how do we use the pandemic as a pretense for clamping down totalitarian controls or increasing the power of the technocracy and increasing the wealth and power of these social media companies increasing the power of the intelligence agencies and the pharmaceutical companies over our lives. And what I discovered, that's in my book, is that, that by the way, the last uh, seminar before of that day, you can go on YouTube and look at it right now, is the seminar on censorship. And the entire time they're talking about how do we censor people and stop them from saying that this is laboratory generated. And the person who's leading that discussion is George Gale, who's the head of the Chinese CDC and the CIA people who are there. Wow. And what I found, you know, during the research on my book, and this is all laid out in my book, the 2000 footnotes, is that that was not a one-off pandemic simulation. They were doing that every year and they were involving hundreds of thousands of people uh, going back to the year 2000. And again and again and again, they were modeling. They were, they were, most of these were classified, so they were secret. They were involving frontline workers in cities all over our country, Canada, all the countries in Europe. And they were modeling again and again and again. Here's what you do when there's a pandemic. Don't worry about public health. Use the pandemic as an excuse to obliterate for a coup d'etat against democracy. And, you know, since this pandemic began, we've seen our constitutional rights obliterated. We've seen freedom of speech go out the window. So people like me are not allowed to talk anymore. Right. Except on alternative media like this. Yes. We saw religious freedom obliterated, where all the churches in our country closed for a year with no due process, no public hearing, no science. Yeah. And then uh, religious exemptions obliterated, demolished. We see property rights. All of these are constitutional rights that are part of our Bill of Rights. They close a million businesses without due process or just compensation. That's against the Constitution. They got rid of jury trials. Say if a vaccine company or a pharmaceutical company hurts you, you can no longer sue them, no matter how reckless they were, no matter how negligent, no matter how grievous your injury, you cannot sue them. The Constitution, the Seventh Amendment says no U.S. citizen shall be denied the right of a trial before a jury of his peers in any case or controversy exceeding $25 in value. So that, that constitutional amendment no longer exists. Um, they got rid of the protections against illegal searches and seizures. Other than that, they're now doing track and trace surveillance on all of us, looking at our medical records, demanding medical records from me. So all of the, the rights that we just consider you know, 
inviolable. And onto the chopping block. And who is benefiting? Uh, we all know who benefits, who's making money. It's Silicon Valley Robert Barons, who there has been a $3.8 trillion shift in wealth from the American middle class to a small group of billionaires. And they, most of those are the Silicon Valley titans like Bill Gates, like Larry Ellison, like Sergey Brin, like Mark Zuckerberg. All of these people who are censoring criticism of the government response and at the same time raking in the cash and making their, turning their billions into hundreds of billions as a result of the lockdowns. Wow. Okay. Okay. You know what? I'm, I'm surprised that we have what seems like every civil rights organization has gotten on the vaccine bad wagon, you know, um, thinking about the ACLU. Even the ACLU. Yeah, exactly. ACLU is giving its human rights award to Tony Fauci, who just demolished our constitution. The ACLU has become a joke. And when I was younger, the ACLU led the battle to, you know, have the Nazis uh, march in Skokie. And they said, you know, that the, the, what the Nazis are saying is reprehensible, it's repulsive, it's abhorrent to every decent American, but we need to die for their right to say it, because that's who we are. And now the ACLU is leading the battle to demolish the Bill of Rights, and, the, and particularly the First Amendment, the right to freedom of speech, the ACLU is behind it. All the old civil rights um, groups, you know, they, they, they are all part of this process of get your vaccine and do what you're told and be obedient and don't disobey. And, you know, um, and, you know people, the reason people are not vaccinating is because they're reading data. And the reason they're fighting masks is because they feel manipulated. They're not being shown science. They're just being, oh, people know the difference between leadership and bullying. And you know what? Because we're late, I'm being, I, I, I'm going to have to leave early. Okay. Okay. Oh, you want to do one more question? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one request, one thing that I have each and every yes do is kind of give uh, the Hidden Gateway listeners uh uh, advice, something that they can take with them going forward. I like to call it the token of love. And if you could just take a quick minute to, to share something with the here's, here's what I'm saying. Okay, we need to resist. They're about to give this vaccine to 26 million children. We know they're lying about it. During the, they, they only tested on 1,300 children. And one of those was a girl called Jennifer Gary, and she got seizures immediately after the vaccine, and she's been paralyzed ever since, and she's on a feeding tube. Pfizer reported that injury as a stomachache. If she hadn't come forward and her parents had said, wait a minute, this is not a stomachache, this is a permanent disability, nobody would have known. So what that means is one in 1,300 kids are likely to get an injury like that. If you give this to 26 million kids, these kids have a healthy child that has zero risk of COVID. They have a one in 1,300 risk. 
of being permanently disabled by this vaccine and kids are dying from it. We know that. Kids are dying of strokes, of heart attacks, of um, myocarditis. It's clearly more dangerous to give this to a child and that child to get COVID. And we need to stop them. We've got to stop them. And, you know, this is the hill we need to die on. This, and what I would say to your listeners is you need to start engaging in civil disobedience. Uh, we're marching on the street. November 3rd is the worldwide walkout. Yeah. You know, all in sick. Take the day off. Do whatever. Join us on the street. Join us on the barricades. And then every day you need to commit a civil disobedience. How do you do that? Do it gently, peacefully, but tell a store owner, if you make me show a vaccine passport, I'm not coming in here. Right. I tell my friends not to come in here. You segregate us. If you practice discrimination, we are not going to patronize your establishment. Talk to somebody, a friend, who doesn't agree with you and ask some questions. How can a vaccine that doesn't prevent transmission stop a pandemic? How can we give something to children when they have no risk for COVID? Ask them questions. Challenge their belief in a gentle way so that they can hear you. Husband, thank you for everything that you're doing, my friend. Thank you very much, Mr. Kennedy. I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being a guest here on the Hidden Gateway podcast. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hidden Gateway podcast. This is going to conclude this week's episode. Until next time, stay positive, stay questioning, be loved, and be free. The Hidden Gateway, out. Thank you. Uh, hey, you should have Kevin Jenkins on. I, I, I interviewed him. I did a few okay. months ago. Great guy. I love, I love that guy. All right. Thank you. All right. We'll see you. Bye.